in your Bible to the book of Genesis. In Genesis, we're going to be right where we were last week, and I know that you can. Uh, I know that you can find it. Um, it's the very first book of the Bible, and so what we were talking about last week uh, is this marriage, marriage, and our family relationships, and how important they are, and that God has a plan for our families, and so we're going to continue that thought. Uh, this week, and, uh, and how many of you have ever used that expression, you've ever said, when I grow up, fill in the blank. Have you ever said that? We've all said that. When I grow up, I'm going to do this. When I grow up, I'm going to be that or this, that or another. I'm going to do this thing or that thing. And When I grow up, I'm going to have a family like this. I'm going to have a wife like this or I'm going to have all these different things. It's something that we've all done. Now, it's kind of like having a goal for life. But usually when we say it, it's pretty general and kind of generic, but goals are a good thing, right? We think about who we're going to marry and what kind of life that we're going to live and things like that. But today we're going to drill down a little bit deeper in this issue of marriage because I'm really ready for us to start having relationships that look the way that God desires for them to look. Because let's just be honest, let's just... Let's just be super honest for a moment. Many of you, you've had more sexual relationships than you've had cars. And you get a new car every three to five years. And that's perfectly normal in our culture. Culture doesn't get to determine what's normal for you as a believer. God's word tells us that he's got a different plan than the plan that this world has, right? And so many times our relationships do not look biblical. They don't look holy. They don't represent Christ the way that he would have them represent. So I don't want anybody to walk out of here. Now, this is something we hit. We used to do a marriage sermon series every year, every couple of years. And the reason is I don't want anybody but to leave this place this morning saying nobody told me. I didn't know. They never laid it out for me what a biblical model for marriage is. What a biblical model for marriage. So we've got goals, okay? So when I grow up, I'm going to have this or that, all right? We're going to get married and we're going to have a family. But I'm, I believe that we're aiming because we, we look at what culture says is normal. And then that's our target. That's it. Well, a lot of you guys, anybody in here, any, do we have any hunters in here? Raise your hand. Hunters, don't be shy. Raise your hand. Hunters, hunters, hunters. Oh, you're literally hunter. Put your hand down. Amen. But you also hunt. You also hunt. Okay. I saw that look on your face. Oh, I'm a hunter. Amen. I don't need. But listen. And so does anybody do bow hunting? Raise your hand high and proud. Bow hunting, bow hunting. I need a volunteer this morning. Mr. Jordan, would you come on up here? <laughs> come on, just for a second. Y'all let him out. Give him a hand as he comes. I know. Brother, that's why nobody raises their hand. Amen. Oh, next time. Come here. Let me. I know you're the guy. So what we're going to do here, we're going to see if he can I don't, hit the target. Come on. Grab this bow. I know you've been deployed, but go ahead. It's, this is my daughter's. You can handle it. Amen. Right, go ahead. And, you know which way it goes. Quit playing. All right. All right. So what I want you to do is aim right over here. No, 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 no. Aim right. Okay. Now go ahead and get it ready. All right. So uh, this morning, wait a minute. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. No, no. Hang on. Just set this down. I realize you are way too. This is not. You wouldn't hunt with this, would you? No. Let me get you what you actually need real quick. If I can get it for just a second, here we go. All right, there we go. So now, 
You've got everything you need. Okay. Now, don't flex on this thing, okay? I, gotta, I stole this from a five-year-old earlier, and we got to get right here, buddy. All right, so grab that. All I want you to do, seriously, all kidding aside, is let's, let's don't hit Marsha's guitars, okay? All right, just get as close as you can, and just, uh, no, over there, over there, and see if you can hit that target. Go ahead, go for it. Woo, give me. That was pretty good. That was steady. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. We'll leave that one right there. Now, uh, any really good hunt. Well, hang on a second. Let me, let me see what I've got back here. I just feel like this matches your personality. Amen. I've got this blindfold for you there. It's now, just like the one I have at home. The one you have at home. Amen. Well, go, go ahead and, and put that on. Now, all right, before you put it on, you want to go ahead and get this ready, or you can do it with your eye blindfolded. Amen. Yeah. All right. All right, so you're ready. Okay, hang on. Let's go ahead and blindfold you. Can you right. see anything? No. Oh, shh. Sh- sh- no, <laughs> I'll kid, no, stop playing. I'm on, come here. Move. All right. Are you ready? No, I'm just kidding. No, don't. All right, come here. Come here. Just a couple steps back. A couple of steps forward. Aim over here. Over. I think that's about right. What do you guys think? Is that about right? Is he about? Okay, okay. Now go ahead and give it your best shot. Don't break it. No, you shoot, man. That's not. That was okay. <laughs> Hang on, let me get you ready there. <laughs> it's harder than it looks. I'm. Not, all, right. Pr- all right, try it one more time. <laughs> hey, man, give my hand. Go ahead. Go. <laughs> yeah, you can go. Keep that's yours. That's yours. Oh. That's you. You won a prize. Amen. <laughs> Everybody's a winner down here at Grace Baptist Church. Amen. <laughs> Well, listen, we just did that. Thank you, uh, Mark, for doing that. I appreciate you. And again, I always wonder why nobody raises their hand here at church. But listen, what we see here is is that, you know, when he saw the target and he had the proper tools and he could see what he was aiming at and he knew what his motivation was, he could hit the target. Thank goodness. You would have ruined this if you had missed. And you also would have ruined it if you hit it the second time, too. But much like us in life, in the world, many times we claim to have a target, have goals. The truth is we've been blinded by culture, by society, and what the world says our relationship should look like. What the world says is okay for us. And these standards have blinded us to God's standards. We can't even see the target, much less hit it when we're aiming at it. And instead, what's happening is this. Because we're living by the world's standards, we're like, yeah, I'll sleep with him. I'll sleep with her. Maybe we'll get married. Maybe this will work. I know he went to Sunday school once in the second grade, but he's husband material. And we shoot and we base this on the world's standards, not on God's standards. And when we do that, a lot of things get broken and a lot of people get hurt because we're basing it off the wrong standards because we've been blinded by the world and what the world says is normal. What the world says is okay is different than the holiness that God has called us to. People are getting damaged and God in his word gives us the blueprint for what marriage is supposed to be and how to live our lives. Now, do you remember the verses from last week? Look in your Bible, Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 18. It says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will, anybody that's ever had little boys know that verse is true. Amen. It's not good for little boys to be alone. Something's going to get messed up. All right. I'll make him a helper comparable to him. Now go down to verse 21. It says, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. 
Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Last week, leave and cleave, right? There's some things when you get married that you need to leave behind. There's some, look, you need to leave your parents behind. Not, not forget about them. Not that they're not a priority. They're no longer the priority once you get married. You need to leave some people behind. There's some people that have no business being in your life now that you have moved on into the marriage relationship. And, and not that friends aren't a priority. They're no longer what? The priority. And then there's also problems. There's things that's happened to you in the past, and you drug it down the aisle with you into your marriage. Your marriage is never going to be what God wants it to be as long as you keep living in yesterday. And you're taking somebody else's sins out on your spouse. There's some things we need to leave. But there's also things that we need to cleave to. Cleave to our spouse and what we have together. Look at this next slide. This is a picture of me and Alicia. Aren't we cute? Oh, that was fake, but I appreciate it. I'll take it. Alicia's cute anyway. And, uh, and so we take these pictures often. And so a lot of times we haven't been doing as much as we should. But on Fridays, if you follow us, you know that we do like often we do like First Lady Friday or something like that. It's Alicia Day or afternoon. I always try to set some time apart each week. Again, we're not perfect in that. But like this is Alicia. Like we go have lunch. We go have dinner. This is Alicia time. And I'm just kind of shutting everything else down to spend time with my bride. And so a lot of times, not, not, a, not a lot, sometimes we'll take a selfie like this because we think we're cute and uh and so it looks so i mean don't we look happy and all smiley and all of that and like i said we don't we don't get a first lady friday in all the time sometimes it's first lady thursday night this week is first lady thursday night and friday night and so we we just enjoy each other's company enjoy spending time together and then and so you see a picture like this though maybe it's somebody you know like a celebrity and you see this one and you're like i want that Right? They, no, no, they, they look so happy. Everything looks so perfect. Right? When I grow up, <laughs> I want a marriage life. I want a relationship life. I want something. But when you see something like this from somebody, uh, what, what preachers talk about, you, you're seeing somebody else's highlight reel. And you're not seeing their behind the scenes footage, right? And you're living your behind the scenes footage and comparing it to their highlight reel, and you're wondering why it doesn't measure up. Well, it's not going to. It's not going to. So when you see a picture like this, you don't see the challenges and the hardships and the difficulties they have to overcome. I mean, I will say with absolute, complete integrity, before God and before God's people, Alicia Lynn Kelly is one of the most stubbornest human beings I've ever met. Amen? Oh, don't let her fool you. Don't let... She just smiles. She's so nice. She is so stubborn. Amen? Don't you amen now. You don't know her. <laughs> I, that was a test. You failed. Amen. But listen, listen, the problem is I am too. I am too. So sometimes that leads to difficult. Amen. Hush up. Y'all never amen on the right parts. But I am too. But Alicia can stand her ground. Now don't let this, like she's such a wonderful example of Christian meekness and she's shy and quiet she's, and all of those things, but she can stand her ground. And, but then sometimes I can be very demanding and I'm like harsh in my words and I don't mean to be and I'm just hard-headed sometimes. Our marriage can be filled with miscommunications, misunderstandings, hurt feelings, and what I like to call intense conversations. Preacher lingo. Fighting. Amen. 
fighting. One time, all right, I told him in the first service, I didn't even mean to. And she didn't seem too mad, so I'm going to tell you guys, okay? And uh, hopefully I'll get the story right. But listen, it, one time we were in East Tennessee. I was serving church in East Tennessee, right? And so we went to, uh, we're going to come home to see the in-laws, right? And, uh, and so we're going to visit them. And some reason I was in a terrible mood, probably because I was going to see the in-laws. Amen? And so I was in a terrible, don't, they're in the first service. They're not going to hear this. But listen, and so I was in this terrible mood. I was just gradually cranking, being a big old jerk face. I know that's hard to imagine. Big old jerk face. And I'm being serious. I don't remember. She, after she told me she doesn't remember what the fight was over either. But buddy, we were hot. And we forgot something. We're on our way to West Tennessee. I got to turn around and go back home because you people can't never get or not you get the tough. You know, dad. Driving when a dad's got to drive, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And so I don't know. I get out of that her jeep and I slam the door. Well, boom! I was driving, slam the door, and I'm going out. I'll get it. And I and I drive and I hear this sound. And the sound I heard, and I was like, "What is going on?" I turn around, and look, my sweet wife. And done got out of the passenger side of that Jeep. She has gone around, got in the driver's side, put it in gear, is leaving. <laughs> she, I wasn't laughing. <laughs> She's leaving. She is gone. I mean, and I'm like, and I'm standing there in the driveway, and I'm a pastor, right? And I've never wanted to cuss so bad since I've been in the ministry. I'm a human too. I wanted to, okay? Just like you have. I did too. And I'm standing in the middle of my driveway, but I'm a pastor. And so I don't know all my neighbors are like this looking out the window. What's going on at Brother Marcus's house over there? Trouble in paradise, right? And so I'm sitting in the driveway. I'm so mad I can't say anything, right? And I'm standing there, and she's driving her mother, her tailpipe getting smaller and smaller. She gone. And she wasn't even driving slow. I'm like, those are my kids in that car. Slow down. She is gone. And I can tell by the way she's driving, she is not coming back. And so I'm standing in the driveway, and I'm doing this. You know, they probably thought I got the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so, and so then I, and I just, I don't know what to do. So I go in the house. I'm going to get my truck keys. That's when I realize she, I had a copy of her keys on my keys. She's got my truck keys, and she's driving to West Tennessee. Now I'm stuck without a ride. Now I'm in the kitchen. I'm mad. I'm kind of doing an inventory. Like, what did I do? You know, I think I took this a little far, right? And they're going to my, what, are, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to explain? I don't even, she left me. I don't even have a car I can drive. I'm in trouble. And then I hear the sound of the Jeep pull back in the driveway. And I'm like, there she is. I hear the door shut. Here she comes. Now as she's coming, I think to myself, I can respond to this one or two different ways. Right? I could be like, how dare you leave, leave me like that with my babies, right? And then option number two was, I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but what was so funny was I didn't do either one because she come through the door and I'm expecting, and I'm kind of convinced myself, she's going to be like, look, I'm sorry. I overreacted. Let's go to my mama's and everything's fine. Come on, get. That's what I thought. She's usually really level headed. Instead, she comes through the door. She busts through the door. She looked at me and she said, I only came back because of the kids. Amen. I, the kids were, they were much younger then and they were upset. You leaving my daddy? What about daddy? The kids in the backseat freaking out. I only come back for the kids. And I, oh, fine. I said, I'm only coming with you for the kids. Amen. <laughs> And then we drove to West Tennessee and spent a lovely weekend with the in-laws. <laughs> Let me tell you, something like that could have happened five minutes after a picture like that. Does that make sense? It could have happened five minutes after. A lot of times we see something and we think, man, I want that. 
But do you really want what comes with it? We really need to ask ourselves those questions. Because even now, sometimes me and Alicia go, you know, when we grow up, you know, this, this is what we want. But to be honest, I like it when people want something different. When they see something and they go, yes, I want something different than what the world has to offer. I want something different than the normal standards everybody's living by. I want something more. Because when you look at most normal relationships, they're not going very good. There's a lot of hurt feelings, anger and bitterness and mistrust. A lot of fights about money, fights about the kids, fights about everything. Right, So I hope you do want something different this morning than what the world has to offer because what the world has to offer ain't measuring up. So if you're going to do that, now this morning, no matter where you find yourself on the scale, you're married, you're soon to be married, you're thinking about, well, you might be, re- after that story, you're thinking, I don't know if that's for me, or maybe you're going to be married somewhere wherever you're at. If you're going to live a life that's going to please God, this next thing needs to be true for you. Write this down. Jesus has to be the focus of your life, not a focus, the focus of your life. Jesus, to be Christ-centered, grounded in the truth of God's word. It means because everybody's focused on something, everybody's centered on something, right? Many of you, you're married to somebody else, but really you're focused on yourself. It's really all about you. It's about what I won't, and you don't make me happy. I'm upset with you, so I'm going to West Tennessee without you. Amen? But it's centered around, I had that one coming. I I don't remember what I did, but I had that one coming. But often, even in a marriage relationship, we're self-centered. Whether we're centered on ourselves or we're centered on the kids. Hey, kids, whatever you want, wherever you want to go, whatever works out best for the kids takes priority over everything in this marriage. We're not going to invest in our marriage. We're only investing in our children. And someday, 20 years later, we're going to wake up in a bedroom and we're laying there next to a stranger because we never invested in our marriage. We only invested in the kids because it's all about the kids or it's all about me or it's centered on money, material things, success, a job, a career, right? Material things. Your image, on the inside, we're all messed up. But on the outside, we're taking smiley pictures so everybody knows how blessed we are and unstressed we are and how wonderful God has been blessing us. And on the inside, we know it's not true. We know that it's not true. We need Jesus to be the center of everything. Now, I didn't put like Jesus is the focus of this or Jesus is the focus of that because he's the focus, period. Of everything. For the life of a true believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus has to be the focus of everything. And so when you're married, if Jesus really is the focus, write this down. In your marriage relationship, Jesus is always going to come first, your spouse is going to come second. Let me just, I didn't want to make you feel in 10 blanks. So Jesus comes first, your spouse comes second, your kids come third, your in-laws come fourth, your friends come fifth. You just run all the way down the list. Everything else falls behind Jesus. And then everything else falls behind your spouse. It's not that they're not a priority. They're not what? The priority. The priority is Jesus. But after that, the number one priority in your life is your spouse. When our marriage are truly focused on Jesus, it affects the way we live. Now, where do I get this from? Well, from the Bible. Jesus one time was asked, hey, what's the most important thing? What's the number one commandment? What's the number one thing? Look at it in Matthew 22, verse 37. They said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of the law? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Everything. What is that? Look at this next slide. God first. God first. Every decision. Every day. 
God first. Because it's important what you focus on. Look at this next slide. Let me explain it to you like this. So whatever the focus of your life is, if it's you, if it's your kids, if it's your spouse, anything other than Jesus, whatever the focus of your life is, that's going to influence what you really believe and what you really value. And your values and your belief are going to influence what you do. See, you ever see somebody and you go, why'd they do that? Because their values say that that's okay. And so your, your values and your beliefs influence your actions and your decisions, which is going to determine the influence and the impact you have for the kingdom of God and in the life of others. So if you've got the wrong focus, everything else is going to be wrong too. If Jesus isn't in the middle, if Jesus is not the center, if it's, you're not living a Christ-centered life, then nothing is going to be centered. Everything's going to be skewed. Everything's going to be off. You need peace with God so that you can have peace with man. If you're centered around yourself, you're limiting who you are and what you can be for God. But when Jesus, the Son of God, is the main influence of our lives, that's going to affect our actions and decisions, and that's going to impact our influence and actually our impact. Now, some of you, okay, so you're not married, right? So, you know, we got to, Jesus has to be the focus of everything, and if Jesus is the focus of everything, that means he comes first, your spouse comes second. But if I'm single, what does that mean for me? Look at this next slide. If you want a Jesus-focused relationship in the future, you got to live like it today, right? You cannot build, a, listen, you won't build a house of righteousness with a foundation of sin. It'll never work. If you've got a goal, if you have a target about who you want to be, who God is calling you to be in the future, man, you got to start aiming now. you got to start aiming now because it's now. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You cannot build a future of the blessings of God and righteousness and holiness and a God-blessed, God-centered life for the future if you're just going to live in sin now. If you want to honor God with putting him, like someday when I get married and I get my little snuggly bugly and we, my, what do y'all call each other? The little pet names, right? I get my honey bunches and we just, and I find that perfect man. And when I find him, well, and then after we start having kids, we'll settle down and we'll get in church. We're going to get in church because we want our kids to be raised in church, man. And we'll settle down and get in church. But right now, this is my time. I got to enjoy myself, right? I got to do what I'm going to do. This is my time. I got my needs. I'm going to party now. I'm going to do my thing. But later, I'll get it right later. Listen, look at this next slide. Anytime that you do your thing apart from God, it's sinful. It's absolute sin. Anytime you, if you cannot bring God into the equation, it's sin. If you cannot do it without the approval, uh, if you can't do it and have the approval of God, it's sin. Sin. And you will not build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. See, when you're Jesus focused, you're not waiting for somebody else to complete you. When you're Jesus focused, you've been completed in Christ. And so you're living for him now. He's preparing for who he wants you to be in the future. You're serving him, following him. You're focused on Christ. You're loving the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your passion. With everything within you, you're loving and serving God. But if we're, So how do we do this? Like if I'm married and I want a, a Jesus-focused marriage, I want to put God first in my life, how can I do this? Now, I always do this. So I've done some of your weddings and my marriage counseling. This is always a part of it. Write this down. 
You have to. If you're going to get married, you have to pray together every day. You need to. If you were with us last week, remember we talked about last week, if you get married by a preacher, if you get married by a pastor, you attend church faithfully. I mean, not like once a month, but like you're there almost every Sunday. You attend church faithfully. You pray together. You read God's Word together. Basically, you have almost, it's one out of 1,105. One out of 1,105 marriages that do those things ends in divorce. When you pray together daily, you almost eliminate the chance that you'll ever get divorced. Right? Just short prayers every, every single day. Now, I, I put in my notes, this is freaking some of y'all out. I get to, especially the guys, right? See, for guys, man, this is ooey-gooey. It's intimate. It's about our feelings. And also, guys like to pretend like they got it all together. They got all the answers. But if we had to come and pray, then I'm kind of admitting that I don't have all the answers. And so we think it's too intimate, it's too personal, it's too ooey-gooey. But let's be honest, many of you that are married, you've had, you've had babies together. That's pretty ooey-gooey. <laughs> That's pretty intimate. Okay? And then, like in our generation, you've got to be in there. <sighs> Playing catcher or whatever you're supposed to do. I almost passed out with our first one. The Amber baby come out and I almost fell out. I'm not kidding. That being in a room while a woman delivers a baby is about as intimate and personal as you can get it. Correct? You're telling me you can't pray together? You can't. Me and Scott, we pray every Sunday morning before the first service. Scott, once they get done with rehearsal, he'll come in uh, to my office and we'll sit there. And actually, we sit there and we hold, we'll hold one hand. He sits across this and we'll literally hold a hand. And I'm really telling you that in case you ever accidentally walk by while we're holding hands. You kind of... You're like, find your place in grace. Uh, so, so, they laugh too hard, Scott. They laugh too hard. But my point is, if I can sit there and hold the hairy knuckles of Scott, then I can hold my wife's hand and pray too. I can do that. And let me tell you something. If you're dating somebody and you're in a relationship with somebody right now and they won't pray with you, they're not going to pray with you later either, man. You need to pray together daily. Because if I was the devil, the one thing I would try to make sure that you didn't do is pray together. Because I know if you pray together, you're on the same page. Right? You're bonding spiritually. You become a mission-driven. You're going to be covenant-keeping people. And that's a marriage that are last. When you pray together, you bond. Look at this next slide. It's really hard to do really bad things in a marriage. And it's really hard to stay mad at somebody that you know you're going to have to pray with in a minute. Right? You shut your face. You shut your face. Let's pray. <laughs> it won't happen. It won't happen. It's hard to do really bad things and hate each other when you know that you're going to be praying together. It leads to other awesome benefits. If you're praying together, you're probably praying for your kids. They need it. If you're praying together, probably praying with your kids. They need it. That means you're probably going to church together. You're probably serving together. You're on mission together. You're covenant-keeping people. And then when the devil comes and attacks your marriage, you recognize this is spiritual warfare, and you fight it together because you're on the same page. But how can you, okay, so how can you do this? How can you see the benefits of this? I'm going to give you some practical advice. That's what we're carrying over from last Sunday. So you're going to pray together. We already agreed on that. You're all praying together. Check. Now, how do we do it? Write this down. You need to keep it short. All right, if you're not already praying like two hours a day, don't the first day you're going to pray with your wife think that you're going to pray two hours a day, okay? You're going to just start like quoting Disney movies or something. It's not going to work. Keep it short, 30 seconds, 60 seconds. 
Just grab hands, Lord. We just thank you for today, Lord. Be on my wife. Help us today. Let us shine your light, God, and help our love for you and our love for each other to grow every day. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Just pray, man, every day. Keep it short. Next, write this down. Be consistent. Be consistent. You need to make a plan. If you're going to pray, you need to do it every day. I suggest you do it at the same time. If you miss a day, don't miss two. If you miss one day, it's going to happen. It will happen. Don't miss two. Keep it short. Keep it consistent. And I would encourage you to pray before something. Me and Alicia, like our family, we pray before every time we eat. So we pray, we pray multiple times a day. Amen. And so we pray before every time that we eat. It's just part of our rhythm of our life. Uh, you can, hey, we're going to pray. Hey, before I leave for work, let's pray. I, when I get home from work, let's work. Just make it a regular part of your day. Keep it consistent. It's like brushing your teeth. Most of you, hopefully all of you, most of you brush your teeth, right? And if you do brush your teeth, I bet you do it the same time every day or the same times. Right? Maybe before you get in the shower, after you get in the shower in the morning, or, or after you, whatever you do, I bet you brush, I bet it's so automatic you don't even think about it. You, you just do it. Oh, I, I got out of the shower, it's time to brush my teeth. You just do it. You don't even think about it. Same thing with praying. Make it a part of your day. It's so automatic you don't even have to think about it. Oh, I'm about to leave from work, honey, let's pray. It's just a part of your day. Keep it short and be consistent. Now, so what do we pray? What do we pray? This is my recommendation for everybody. So whether you're saved, uh, I mean, you, you need to be saved. But whether you're single, whether you're married, whatever your, whatever your situation is, and maybe you know I need to really get on my prayer life, this is what I believe is a wonderful place for you to start praying because this is the example that Jesus left for us. Look at this next verse. Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Matter of fact, why don't we just say that together? Let's just read it together out loud. It'll be fun. On the count of three, one, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can memorize that this afternoon if you wanted to. No problem. Those short, you've heard it so much, you've got most of it memorized too. Or if you're like me, I've, I memorized it in the King James, but now I've got like five translations floating around in my head every time that I say that. But you can do it. You can pray it. Listen, Scripture, you want to pray in the will of God. The Word of God is in the will of God. So when you're praying the Word of God, you're praying in the will of God. That's a really good prayer. You can pray Scripture. And I encourage you to do it. And Jesus says, pray like this. And it's an example. And then as you pray that, Alicia, come here, babe. Whew, I'm really in trouble. David, <laughs> come on. Give her a hand, church. Come on. Let's go on this side and make them look at you over here. Amen. And so it's, 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 it's say hi to everybody, Alicia. That made her look. <laughs> She's like, I'm not looking at these. All right. And so uh, if you're going to pray, it's, if you're going to pray something like this, um, you can, it's simple as this. Alicia, let's meet. Y'all watch us pray, okay? Big hypocrites. Not, but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Y'all watch us pray. Um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory and the majesty and the grace and the love forever and ever. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good job, right? You want to kiss me right now, don't you? Huh? I saw it. Come on. You're going to give, give me a kiss. Come on. 
Do it for the church. Come on. <laughs> I love you. Go sit down. I saw it. Y'all saw it, didn't you? Y'all saw it. Guys, I didn't want to mention this because I'm trying to be spiritual. A prayed with wife is a happy wife. Amen. You pray with your wife, you're going to get some extra sugar from time to time. Just name that baby Marcus. Amen. <laughs> you are welcome. Listen, why did we do that besides I've I'm in so much trouble? Why did we do that other than embarrassalicia? How long did that take? Seriously. 10 seconds, 15 seconds? Right? And I was even getting the translations jumbled up in my head. Right? 15 seconds. You don't have to have it memorized. I encourage you to memorize that. That's a good section. If you haven't memorized, that's good. Take your Bible with you and then take your wife's hand and just read it or give it to her and she reads it. Y'all hold hands. Let her, you read a verse, she reads a verse. You read a verse, she reads. Whatever you want to do, write it on a note card so that you can start to memorize it. And then simply take a hand and read the note card and pray together. Amen. Smooch and go on with your day. Whatever it takes. And you don't, you won't stay there. That's how you start. But eventually you'll notice the rhythm of prayer, this uh, example prayer that Jesus has given us and you'll begin praying your own prayers. And then eventually you'll probably be adding more and more of that. The more you do it, the more you'll want to do it. The more you do it, the more that you'll get out of it. And God will bless you. Now, those of you that aren't married, though, maybe you're sitting there like, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not married. Look at this next slide. You pray anyway. You pray anyway. Same thing applies. If you want a godly marriage in the future, you need to be a godly person right now, right? You need to be the kind of person that a godly person would want to marry. Start with a short prayer, simple, consistent, authentic, and real and that could be the beginning of not just calling yourself a Christian, living like a disciple of Jesus and glorifying him through your family relationships. Being a Christian who's focused on Jesus and his kingdom and his work in your life so that you can show that to others, especially that spouse that he has given you. Allow Jesus to be the center of your life and your world. And he will do Many, he'll do so much more than you could ever imagine doing on your own. Let's pray right now. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again so much for your word. Lord, I just pray that we would desire to be faithful with this life that you've given us. Lord, that we would build a life with Jesus and nothing else. Listen, guys, every head bowed, every eye closed. Be respectful of your neighbors around you. No one leave the sanctuary unless it's an absolute emergency. But those of you that are saved and you know that you've been born again, the Holy Spirit confirms in your heart you're a child of the King and you know it. And I just want to lead you in an application prayer this morning. So what is that application? It is simply this. Jesus, help me to live a life focused on you. Is that your prayer this morning? Slip your hand up all over the congregation. It's hard for me to imagine a Christian would not want to pray a prayer like that. Father God, I just pray that all of us that raised our hands, Lord, that we would lean more and more into you and not into ourselves, our own strength. God, that we would love you with all of our hearts and our minds and our souls and, our, Lord, all of our strength. Lord, that you would forgive us when we put self on the throne of our hearts, on the throne of our lives. God, may you sit and rule and reign over us, your people. Lord, forgive us when we put things before you. Lord, forgive us when we put anyone above you. Lord, we commit ourselves to you afresh. We surrender ourselves to your will for our life. God, we know that we can trust you and you're our good, good God. 
Listen, guys, every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. There are those of you, you don't know that you're saved. You know it, man. That's why God has you here right now. You don't know that you've been saved, but you can know right now. Look up for just a second. Guys, do you understand... All of us are sinners. Who's Jesus? Jesus came, born of a virgin, lived a perfect sinless life. He went to the cross. He paid your debt, my debt for our sin. And on the third day, he was resurrected from the dead. And he's at the right hand of the Father, interceding for the saints right now in this moment. That's who Jesus is. And someday he's coming back on a white horse and it's going to be really cool. That's Jesus. But who are you? You're like, well, to be honest, you're like Mark that was up here earlier. To sin literally means... To miss the mark. To miss the mark. In other words, you're aiming with your own strength, your own power. You're aiming. You're trying to do good. You're doing your best. But no matter how good you do, you can never hit the bullseye. You miss the mark. That's what it means to sin. To fall short. Matter of fact, you don't, like, you don't just miss the bullseye. You miss the whole thing. You miss the mark. Jesus came and lived. He never missed the mark. He hit a bullseye every time. Perfect, sinless, the perfect sinless lamb of God. Why is that important? Because you're not. He hit the shots you couldn't hit. He never missed when you missed. He never came up short when you came up short. That means that he was qualified to be that perfect lamb of God to pay for your sins and to pay for mine. And the truth is you have to have somebody pay for your sins. If you stand before God on the day of judgment based on you hitting the mark, you've never hit the mark. And you're never going to hit the mark. You will fall short. Like what we talked about before. If we're being honest, we're all lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterators at heart. We're sinners, man. And our sin separates us from a holy God. So Jesus came and he became that bridge for us between us and our heavenly father. And so when we receive Christ, when we turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus, the one who never missed a shot. When we stand before the father, we're the righteousness of Christ. We're not, I won't stand there as Marcus. I mean, I will be Marcus. But when God looks at me, he's going to see the sacrifice of his son on my behalf. He paid it all. And he paid it for me. And he paid it for you. Scripture's clear that Jesus died for the sins of the world. It's a free gift, but you have to receive it, man. You have to apply that to your life. How do you do that? You simply acknowledge that you're a sinner. You can't, the good news isn't good until you recognize there's bad news. The bad news is you're a sinner separated from God. You admit, you confess your sin, turn from your sin, and turn to Jesus. And trust Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection on your behalf. Trust what his finished work on the cross for you. And ask him to save you. And he was, God's word says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you really called on him? Now's your chance. Let's pray. One more time. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Just a moment. You know right now is the time. God has you here for this moment. God has you here for this reason. You keep wrestling with God. You keep thinking tomorrow, tomorrow. But you know in your heart right now, you need Jesus right now today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, right there in your seat. And I, I'm, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. We don't do that here at Grace. We're not into that. But I just want to have the privilege of praying with you. So if you're in your seat right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you want to pray to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, would you slip your hand up for just a second so I can pray with you? God bless you. I see you. I see you. Over there in the back. I see you. I see you. Who else? I see you. Listen, why don't you pray a prayer like this? It's not these words. It's not a magic formula. It's you trusting God. Maybe you just pray and say, God, God, 
Lord, I'm a sinner. Your word says that I'm a sinner. God, And I, I know that I miss the mark and I don't hit a bullseye every time. God, but I repent. I turn from my sin and I'm turning to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Lord, I'm putting my faith in your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. All of me, I surrender to all of Christ. Save me, Jesus. Again, I want to encourage you, if you just prayed that prayer, God's word is clear. He saved you. You've received the Holy Spirit. You've got resurrection power in your life. I want to encourage you to make that decision public. God's word talks about that constantly. There are no secret Christians. And how he desires you to go public with that decision is through baptism. Maybe you just, you're one of those that just prayed. Maybe you prayed at another service or at another time. You need to follow through with biblical believer's baptism, which is the picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Why don't you come this morning? We'll schedule that for you and pray with you and rejoice with you. Maybe your baptism, you know that you got saved after you got baptized. Maybe you walked an aisle at some point, you got baptized, but you know in your heart that you got saved sometime after that. You need to be baptized to be walking in obedience. Why don't you come this morning? We'll schedule that and pray with you and rejoice with you. Maybe this morning God is calling you to be a part of the Grace Baptist family. This is your church home. You know it. God has confirmed it in your heart and life. Why don't you come this morning and make it official? Put on a jersey. Be part of the team right here at Grace. But whatever it is that God is calling you to do this morning, this invitation, focus on Jesus. Father God, this is yours. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me? You come. Don't wait. Jesus.